everybody. Welcome to the podcast where we ask the question, Hey, remember the ops? Were you waiting for me to come in and interrupt you again? I just leave it open and then I just see what happens. Oh, uh, I was thinking, I'm like, nope, I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna let Courtney have this one. <laughs> That's what I do to you at the end, though, so it's fine. I'm Courtney. And I am Thomas. I don't know what the hell there. It was like you were slowly morphing into Mitch McConnell. Yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. That's That was exactly <laughs> what happened there. It's like when they did the Walking Dead and everyone was slowly turning into Christopher Walken, you were actually morphing into Mitch McConnell. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm Courtney, and this is Tom. Yes. And we talk about everything from the 2000s, from... Lily Allen to Alfie Allen. Did I ever say something about 50 Cent? I don't know, but you can now. Yes, from yeah. from 50 Cent's, he had two albums I can remember. Get Rich or Die Trying, to then The Massacre. And then if we remember D12, do you remember D12? I that forget about M&M. D12 that all the M- time. Yeah, that was Eminem's group. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's my thing for today. Yeah. Sorry, you were much better at the opening than I am. Well, I was also listening to Lily Allen this morning when I was carving a new printmaking block. And then I was like, that song Alfie is just so silly because it's about her brother. And there's a little puppet version of him in the music video. But then he becomes um, Greyjoy in Game of Thrones. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, Greyjoy is his name, right? I don't know. He's a guy who has sex with a lot of people on Game of Thrones. That's everybody. So, it's somebody on that show. 50% likely that it wasn't consensual. Right. Right. That's a story element in Game of Thrones, people. You can't avoid it. Can't avoid it. Stop that came to make... out just before the Me Too movement. I don't think it would have had as much of that post-Me Too moment, to be completely honest. I think it would have had a lot less of it, but I think it would have still had it because something... True. One, I mean, there is the cover that it's fiction, it's part of the story, blah, 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 blah. But I also do think that for as much as we liked and if reasonably so, we got to be more aware and respectful and put down these behaviors. I think there's right. a fair amount of people who kind of fetishize that sort of thing. So I'm just going to just awkwardly say this is why I don't like Game of Thrones, guys. Also, um, I get the argument a lot that, oh, it's a part of the times. Like, it's historically accurate. Yes, right next to the dragons and the White Walkers. So. Yeah. Do you remember in and the Dothraki? Do you remember this being a pivotal part of Lord of the Rings, Courtney? Come on, get with it. It's a documentary. Right, exactly. Peter Jackson actually shot that in New Zealand. Yeah. He shot all of that happening. It's it's integral part of the plot. Right. I I love that argument so much. Um yeah, I would imagine that post Me Too, it would be like Maybe like thirty percent of the storytelling versus like fifty seventy. Yeah, yeah. oh seventy. Because <laughs> here's the thing too: some people say it's a good way to demonize somebody you're supposed to hate, but 
But when you watch Game of Thrones and you listen to the fans, you realize that some of the most admired people are the worst people. Like, oh yeah, the, no, they all do it. <laughs> like Carl Drago is like one of the more favorite people on the show, and he's literally the first person to do it. Like episode yeah. one, he's he introduces it to the audience. He goes, "This is going to happen a lot, guys. So get used get to it. used to this because <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen." And and people are like I quite like Carl Drago. I quite identify with Carl Drago. I'm like, mm, do you want to though? Yeah, and then also people are like, oh, but, like, Jason Momoa was also, like, so kind to Amelia Clark afterwards, and it's like, that shouldn't be, like, the nice finishing touch that you add to the situation, you know? Yeah, but it's okay, because he was nice. Yeah, and it's like, if you have to highlight how great he was about it afterwards, then you know instinctively that it wasn't great that it's happening in the first place. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. That's our Game of Thrones rant. I'm sorry, guys. We'll I probably know come back to it at some point. I know a lot of you guys really do like it, and I'm not hating on it. I just, it's just, there's this threshold I can't get over. And I'm a guy that loves horror movies. And I love fantasy. And, and like, I don't think I've seen that this, nerdy shit. Yeah. I don't think I've seen this much gratuitous, forceful action in any of the Friday Thirteenth movies. Everybody in those movies just seems really dumb and happy to be there. Okay, I'm actually really glad that you brought up Friday the Thirteenth because the entire time that I watched the main topic of today's episode, I just kept thinking, I take back everything I said about Freddy versus Jason. That is a fine <laughs> movie. It's fine. <laughs> I take it back, Tom. <laughs> I wasn't planning on that being our segue into today's topic, but now it is because you brought it up. <laughs> Jason's just a lovable man. No, he's not. He's not at all. They should just let Jason Momoa be Jason. He's big enough. <laughs> he's big enough. He is a Jason. He, is he a already has Jason. That. He's bigger oh, than most bodyguards. Just let him be Jason. Oh yeah, but what we should we should talk about today's movie, which we've been alluding to. Did we talk? We've talked about that we were going to cover it in our last few episodes, I think. Yeah, we've mentioned it a few times. We were going to cover this immediately after the Twilight series, but then we decided to do like a little expansion afterwards of just the albums for the Twilight movies. Yes. And I think it's common. I think we're, we can establish a rule. We've had very loose rules because we say whatever we want. But mm -hmm. um, I think it's going to be part of our mythos that one of the exceptions to the rule is we can cover topics outside the aughts if Sasha Ronan is in it. Yeah, we're just going to talk about Saoirse Ronan whenever we can. Yeah, so if she's in it, we can talk about it because we've already yeah. made the exception for... We've already made the exception for Lady Bird. Right, which she does a much better accent in, in than, than this movie. Yeah. But yeah. we did the host. It's impossible. My name is Jared Howe. I haven't spoken to another human being in two years. Melanie Strider. This is the beginning of a love story. And that might not seem like a big deal, except for one thing. 
This is the future, and humanity is all but extinct. We have been invaded by another species, who erase our minds to take our bodies. But there are a few of us left who still fight back. Today's topic, because yeah. it is Stephanie Meyer's follow-up to Twilight, yes. And felt like a nice, complete package following the success, the wild success of Twilight. You know what made me want to watch this movie as our sort of successor to the miniseries like we did with Lady Bird? Is that I've heard so much about this movie, and yet I still could not comprehend anything that happened in it. And... Silly, silly old me for thinking that, okay, if I could get something out of the Twilight movies, then maybe there is something there in the host. There, and yeah. I was, uh, I was wrong. It's hard. It's just, it's easy to say it's top, top, <laughs> top. This movie was a lot more dreadful and boring than any of the Twilight movies. Yeah. Everything wrong oh. with the Twilight movies, but minus the funny. It was long. I think I might take New Moon over this any day. Actually, I don't know, because at least, like, at least the host I could have on in the background and do other stuff, which is what happened after the first hour. You know what's weird is that, at least in Twilight, at its worst, there is something to the environment in which they were in. I love that scenery. The, that That's, like, just where they were was beautiful. We were in a desert with the same soundstage for the entire movie. And also, what was with the stark contrast of the color palette? It was either everything was orange or everything was sky blue. I think they were really playing on that, like, trope of the, like, 2010s. Like, in the late two, like the late 2000s, every movie was either orange and teal or blue because those contrasting colors were very pleasing to the eye. And also... Right, on- I think... And I think that's what they did in Vanilla Sky, right? Yeah, and it's also yeah. just, unfortunately, my most recent obsessed color palette on Instagram. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a great color palette, but this movie made me, like, reject it officially. Because it's also I jarring. Need a break from it. It's yeah. jarring, because in this movie, there's not any, like, you can, ex- you can explain away the color palette and the matching when there's reason for it to make sense if the entire desert is orange at what point are you going to get that blue right exactly other than artificially even the cars that the souls drive which i'm not even sure i completely understand why they're called souls even the cars that reflected light like reflected blue from the sky Mm mm-hmm and I have actually, I have an explanation as to why that was the way it was. Okay. There's so much this movie I looked into because it is, it's fascinating. And I didn't know this. Did you know this movie was an independent film? What? Yeah, this, just like the first Twilight, this movie was an independent production. I honestly can't believe that they made their money back. Did they even make, I don't think they made their money back. Okay, so on box. On their box office, they made sixty three point three million. Their budget was forty million. Oh, so they did make it back, but this is so a they movie, did make it back. But that's not a good amount back because you got to think 
marketing you got from marketing you got to take like the actual budget and double it right so they they definitely this was not a this was not a hit also the thing that i don't know is whether or not that's worldwide box office if that's domestic if that's over time i think but... that's just i think it's domestic I okay think typically you get the domestic and then it goes international okay but I'm amazed that they could even get that back. Yeah. Yeah. This was like in the slew of the... This is another thing that connects itself to the the, the late aughts is that this was one of many in the sea of young adult novels being made into films because that was hugely popular following Harry Potter mm-hmm. and then Twilight and then The Hunger Games and then and then they just died. I think 2014 was the last year we cared about it. Well, I was going to say we have to consider Hunger Games when we consider the host because it is also sci-fi dystopian in one regard. Like it does still fit that overall genre. The host has um aliens in it, so that's different than Hunger Games, but they came out, the books came out the exact same year. Hunger Games, the movie, comes out way before the host, the movie, does. Yeah. And then you get other people trying to renew old favorites, like The Giver. And I feel like The Giver is clearly influenced by all of this happening as well. Yeah. They turn it, they like amp up the sci fi dystopian aspect of the giver instead of focusing on sort of like the uncanniness of like the serenity of the giver yes yeah because that's what i always liked about the giver and i was excited that they were turning it into a movie but i think it was just too overloaded with all these sci-fi influences that that was the main thing that they focused on instead of like the sort of weird calmness of the community in that's the giver. fair yeah and the irony with the host which I we keep saying the host, but we gotta we gotta be clear because there's a lot right. of movies called the host. There are a lot of movies, and now I want to watch the Bong Joon Ho movie. What what I like about the Bong Joon Ho movie is that when you type in the host, it's the first. Right, and you had mentioned it on the previous episode when we said like the next episode we're going to do the host, not the 2006 movie. So when that one first came up, I was like, okay, I actually want to see what this is about. Not knowing that it was directed by Bon Joon-ho, but um, I looked it up and then I was like, oh, we are already off to a bad start when I would much rather prefer we watch this movie over the one that I said we should watch. Oh, we have to cover it because it's, um, yes. we have to cover because it's not only a 2000, it's 2007, it's Bon Joon-ho and it's a monster movie. Yeah, I really want to watch it now. <laughs> I want to watch that one more than the one that we ended up watching. And then there's another movie called Host. Not The Host, just called Host. It came out this year. It was a pandemic shot horror film. And it's I like it a lot. It's a lot of fun. It's not deep, but it's effective. It just it's a it's only like an hour long. It's a short horror movie. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It's fun. It's spooky. It's on shutter. And I'm like, actually, Tom, there are two host movies that came out in 2020. Whoa, there's yep. another one. People got to pick a different name. It's not that special of a name. It's OK to pick something else. Oh, there I'm were two different it. ones. 
I'm seeing it right here. Yeah, The mm -hmm, Host, mm -hmm. 2020, The Host. It's a crime horror mystery. Yeah. And it's looks doesn't look it I mean it doesn't have great appeal like that's the thing too the the movie poster for this version doesn't look great either right whereas like i would make the argument if you look at the other the, the horror one on shutter post yeah it's 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 poster is effective it just tells you exactly what the movie is and what it's gonna be it's not amazing but it's a, it's certainly better than the other one this one looks yeah. bad I agree. This poster looks like a bad, poor budget movie that was made in the aughts. At least Host has something interesting happening. And I think that, unfortunately, we're just going to see a lot of these bad... I don't know if it's bad, actually. I shouldn't say that. I don't know if Host is bad. I'm just expecting that there are there is going to be a lot of bad content about the pandemic before we get to anything good. Oh, yeah. I don't know. This could well, be interesting. I don't think I could handle it, but it could be interesting. Yeah, it's spooky ghosts. I wouldn't suggest it for you, but yeah, no, I thank do. You. I do recommend the host from two thousand six because it's a monster movie. Yeah, that I, that one I want to watch. Yes, but yeah. we must get back to this this host. I know, <laughs> and a lot uh, of movies about hosting parties. I don't know. I will read the synopsis from IMDb right now. Let's do it. All right. The Host, 2013. When an unseen enemy threatens mankind by taking over their bodies and erasing their memories, Melanie Strider risks everything to protect the people she cares about. I'm just going to put okay. it out there. Yeah. Nothing, like, this says an unseen enemy threat. Like, there's so many things wrong, like... You and I, I think, have watched a fair share of sci-fi, or at least know some of the sci-fi tropes, and I've yeah. definitely seen movies that influence this. Like, I've seen at least two versions of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I mean, the 70s version is the one that sticks out to me the most with um, with Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland? Donald Sutherland. with that Of Hunger Games and Pride and Prejudice fame? Yes. And... This seems to be that premise, but after the invasion has completed and there's only a few people left. But at least in those movies, there's a consensus that this conformity, this this invasion, rather, is... Like, clearly the idea is that this they rob humanity of its independence. Like, like if society's so peaceful, why would we care? And the argument is always because of our independence, because of what makes us special, our emotional drive. Why do we keep fighting? Right. This is a very lazy version of the question that is asked in every sci-fi story. Is it better to be flawed and have free will, or is it better to be good and have it forced upon you. Yeah, because also yeah. another thing too is we got to think, this is 2013. And to make sure we double down and confirm that we are doing an aughts, this book was written in 2008. So yes. Stephanie Meyer wrote this at a time when cell phones exist, satellite imagery exists, mm -hmm. all this communicative technology exists, but the selective understanding in which these aliens know how to communicate is so poor and dumb Oh my god, that's a good point. 
Like, they never once figured to use satellite images. Like, they've already taken over the world, and you're telling me you can't use satellite images to scour the Earth? You have to actually go to the desert in your stupidly, like, impractical cars and helicopter and suits and hair and makeup to find... That's another thing. I don't know when this movie happened. Did it happen in 1970? Did it happen yesterday? Because they don't make it clear to me. Like, one minute they have the space AG cars, they have the soul cars, and then the next minute when um, Melanie slash Wanderer have to take a car, it looks like it's just a Toyota. Yeah. Also, this movie has... I will say this. This movie and, I guess, book suffer the same problem that Stephanie Myers has with Twilight. She might introduce an actually interesting concept, but then abandon it immediately in service for the stupid plot of love. Yeah. Like, imme- like we learn in that act with the car, like you're talking about, because the main thing is, it. this movie starts with Melanie Strider, played by Sasha Rowan. She's a, running away from these alien or human in- aliens, or what are they called? Souls? Souls. Yeah, they're called something like that. It's a terrible name. It's lazy writing. And she jumps out of a window and doesn't (laughs) have any, like, she jumped from a high distance and not only survived, but has no major visible, like, you would imagine it from that height, fractured, (gasps) compound fractures, head cracking. That reminds me. I'm not trying to be gruesome, but if you do that. No, no, there'd be at least contusions. There's nothing. She's totally beautiful Sasha Ronan on the roof of a building. And they're like, it's miraculous. All of her bones and organs are just broken, but she's still alive. And it's like, no, no, no. That was my favorite part because they didn't even say like all of her bones are broken. They said her bones are barely broken. They're either broken or they're not. There's no such thing as barely broken. I remember hearing that and being like, get the fuck out of here. That makes no medical sense. Yes. Also, they started the movie on Amazon with a tidbit about Twilight. Really? They started the movie already with a tidbit about Twilight, not the movie itself. But I'm going to save that because it actually ruined ruined the ending of the movie for me. Really? So, yes. So I'm going to save it till we get to the end. But there is a person in this movie who is actually meant to be the star of Twilight, and she turned it down. Really? I'm interested. Mm -hmm. Wow. All right, so we get introduced to these soul people, and the main soul person, or the person we were supposed to spend the most amount of time with, is uh, the Seeker, played by Diane Kruger. And I I think she is trying her best in that. She is, and I watched a lot of interviews with her, and she's funny. She... She is funny. Also, I want to mention this movie was directed by Andrew Nichol, who had a he started off fairly strong. He did. What did he do? He what did, did he do? The Truman Show. He wrote The Truman Show. Oh, my God. I love that movie. He wrote Lord of War with Nicolas Cage. OK, this is when things start to fall apart. He then oh, he no. did. Then he did um, In Time with Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Oh, that one. And then this is his follow-up to that. Oh, no. <laughs> and a lot of the visual aspects, like the crit- like criticisms we have, 
this time, believe it or not, are not Stephanie Meyer's fault. Congratulations! 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 Right. She did not deliberately make all the Seeker Soul people Aryans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was also bad. She, that was him. That was his vision. And because I, I actually watched an interview with uh, the Seeker, Diane Kruger, and she was mm -hmm. making fun of the fact that she goes, it looks cool. She goes, but do you know how awful, annoying, and impractical it is to be in the desert with a white suit on and a white sports car and a white helicopter she goes and none of it made sense but you know what i guess the director knows what he's doing good for her good for her for throwing that shade a lot of people don't feel comfortable doing that but good for her for speaking up um, yeah this was not stephanie was, meyer's fault right that was another thing i noticed too why were the seekers or i don't even think they were all seekers i don't understand that either is it like their identity is their role in their community like the doctor in doctor who the way that they say like seeker wanderer healer but they don't really even explain that are no. all almost government like official seekers i don't get it but we get no understanding into the world in which they've established there's nothing and it's they don't even like one of the things that arguably most of these movies do in stories is that the alien invasions have sort of a hive mind. Right. Like if you get spotted by one, the hive knows all of them know. And that's what makes it such a scary threat. You can't trust anybody here. It seems like not only do they not understand how to use modern day technology, they it's convenient when they know how to do technology. Like, Saoirse Ronan knows how to drive a car, but doesn't know how to put the chair right to keep the door locked. <laughs> yeah. You're right. You're just like, like what's well, a chair? Whoopsie. <laughs> I don't know human things, but she perfectly has the motor memory to drive. Okay. I'm, all of my problems, I think, just start with the beginning of the movie. I think the biggest problem as a whole is that you spend no time either getting accustomed to Melanie's life pre-being abducted and being possessed by the Wanderer. Yeah. So I feel nothing for her getting, like, falling out of a window other than, like, oh, my God, she fell out of a window. Yeah. I feel nothing for her at the beginning of the movie when she gets kidnapped. And then I feel nothing for Wanderer because I don't understand the rules of their society at all. Yeah, they don't. They that they have this weird, loose definition of what they're like. What are they doing? Like they claim to be perfect. Like the 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 intro to the movie is just weird. Like humanity, the world is perfect. Environmental destruction is down. There is peace. The only problem is that it's from an alien invasion. Yeah. Then I'm like, okay, cool. They solved it for us. Thank you. But it's like okay, but now they're driving regular, you know, engine combusted cars like. Right. Did we really figure out environmental like concerns when everyone's still driving these piece of shit cars? That's what I don't understand is like they they're not making it clear to me that the souls are the villain or that I should be terrified of them other than like, oh, no, your body. And it's like, yeah, that's not great either. No, but also like when I'm dead, I don't have control of my body either. So yeah. And it's, you know, 
they're fixing our planet, like whatever. <laughs> and then and then they also like nothing like they they're not threatening in the slightest. No, that's the thing. So they're saying that, you know, oh, they take over your body, but also they don't seem as threatening as they say they're supposed to be. What what bothered me is when And they're honest. Like, they're yeah, all honest to each other. They're, yeah. They're super honest. Yeah. But like what bothered me is so let's you know back to the autopsy room we don't have to follow this continuity we don't have to talk about the movie in a linear structure because it's all nonsense but i'm trying my best it's it's really hard when i have a problem with it every step of the way we don't don't worry i think we just go down the bullet points but so this is where my 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 next big problem comes in which this kind of skews me out so they heal all of her wounds and the way to introduce the alien into the person's body is to create a slit near the spine. <laughs> and it did bother me. It did kind of gross me out the idea. Because, yeah, like, these, ali- these aliens look like space house centipedes. Yes. Do you know what I mean by a house centipede? Like, oh, God, yes, I hate I'm, them. Uh, the legs, the legs. Ugh. So then that thing goes in through the, the cut on the neck and it takes over the body. And my mind thought to a wait a minute is this how they invade the body because that seems rather difficult and impractical and that means it's like the chicken who it came first chicken or the egg debate because it's like if there's so much involved in getting a person in you know invaded how did they do it so quickly and effectively and i'm not the only one that had this question because i needed to find answers and i stumbled upon one of my favorite youtubers your movie sucks who talks about the same issue and brings up an excellent point none of this makes sense they shouldn't have been able to take over the world this quickly if this is the only way they can do it and the movie brilliantly leaves out how the actual invasion happened and courtney i texted you yesterday i said do you know how the actual invasion happened and you said no right and i and said, I, I said no And I actually, like, avoided more information on this movie just to not ruin the surprise. All right. So are you ready for the surprise? Okay. So the way it is written in the book, and again, it's an idea that Stephanie Meyer introduces that she doesn't execute or commit to. That's her problem. She introduces ideas but doesn't commit to them at all. Mm -mm. So what (laughs) happens in the book, how these aliens have completely taken over the Earth is... When because they their whole premise is that these aliens jump from planet to planet and invade different species. So the species they invaded prior to the human race was a group of giant spiders. Oh my god, really? And used the giant spiders. They came down the earth, and the giant spiders were used to invade the earth. And the reason that they went from the spider bodies because the the spiders have a decent description. They're large. I don't like, know. I just like, stay with the spider body at that point. Yeah, but the, they have like they're they're apparently really big. They have incredibly strong like steel rod body parts. But the reason that the spiders trains to the humans is because convenient plot twist. Uh, to explain away why they didn't just stay in their spider bodies, if they're so okay. much stronger and superior, was because the spider bodies only live for f- about two to three years. Are you serious? Yeah. That's still not enough time from, to get from the spider co- spider planet to get to our planet, though. No, it's not. It, it, 
it's so impractical. Like when you look at something like Invasion of the Body Snatchers with the the Donald Sutherland version, the aliens are work on a very molecular level and they invade by copying. And as they copy, it takes away from the original. You disintegrate right. and die. It's very gruesome, but it makes sense. Like it makes sense how this happens. And then like another one, my maybe my favorite horror movie of all time, The Thing. The way The Thing works is that it mimics at a microscopic level. So if your blood is infected, it will mimic you to a T. And that's how it works. It works very efficiently. Like it gets mm-hmm. over and, and like that's what makes it so scary. It's an unseen enemy. It's how can I know you weren't literally just copied in the other room, you know? That's why we Whereas, live among us. Like this? Yeah, exactly. Like among yeah. like a like among us. Like Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, but this movie, the way the aliens invade is so imp- like the easiest fix. It's not even that difficult, but the I mean it's cliched, but at least it would make more sense. Easiest fix. Alien goes down the throat. Right, exactly. Like, all you'd That's have to do That's what I thought was going to happen or through the ear canal. Yeah, some like something where it's like you don't need to do cuz that's the moment you have cuz it looks like the alien is fragile until it's in the human body so it's like this thing has no agency and requires already controlled and possessed human beings to a- be able to spread itself um obviously these spider creatures like they couldn't just have them in the background of the movie and not explain no. it no. But that's exactly why I think that this movie should have started at the beginning of the invasion. Give us some time to feel scared for the humans. Yeah. Let us relate to Melanie so that when she does get kidnapped, we're like, oh no, this is bad. Like, they could have easily taken half of this movie just to be for the beginning of the invasion and then could have easily sped up the rest of what the movie was about into another hour. Yeah, because a lot of this movie is nothing. No, it's nothing. You know what it is? It drags. It's so boring. It's so boring. And then it has these moments of insane climax where you're like, whoa, I wasn't prepared for this at all. But the pacing is so off that when those big moments happen... You're just like, what justified this leading up to it? Because I didn't see any of that. Yeah. You know what? I have a hot take on who should have done this movie. Oh. Michael Bay. You know what? At least there would be more action in it. Yeah. Exactly. I think that if Michael Bay did it, there would have at least been more attention and more care taken into those big moments. Yeah, there would have been more thought, at least, into, like, the exciting moments. Because this movie was lacking in all it. I would say Eclipse was more exciting than this movie. Oh, yeah, like, for by sure. by a long shot. Because, like, what you were saying about the aliens and how they couldn't have possibly been able to do this without having some sort of possessed creature to help them do it. I feel like they can't do anything on their own. I feel like they can't even open up their little AirPod cases that they sleep in or whatever and then get into a human body. It seems like if they just got out of their little AirPod cases 10 feet away, it would take them forever to reach the body. Yeah, 
Oh my god. And it's everything's so slow. Yeah, everything's so slow, it's drawn out, it is boring. Also, like like it doesn't feel like a dystopia. Like it doesn't feel significant in any way. Like like we we're saying, like these they know how to drive, but they they, they can't use satellite technology. They don't understand GPSs, they don't understand telecommunication. But they can use a helicopter. But they can use a helicopter. Right. And and just one helicopter. There's only one. Right. <laughs> There's only one helicopter. And, like, what's the rest of the world like? We don't know. Like, there's nothing here to... This could have very easily been a really smart bottle movie where even even if it's before, let's just say, hypothetically, they wanted to keep it after the invasion happened. Imagine a scenario where the movie opens in the caves, which I the issue mm-hmm. I had with the caves is it was very clearly a soundstage. Fair. Those rock formations don't happen organic. It was too clean. Like yeah. th- they lock into the caves, and there's like already carved out segments for beds, and it's like, I wait know. a minute. <laughs> I saw Who that had- too when they show Wanderer like their alcoves and their little like homes. It's like this is a world wonder. Like this doesn't just happen overnight. No. And he's not the one guy. Nobody would have been able to get this all done in the time that they had. It makes no sense. Also, um, they're, they grow grain in the caves, but their system is there's a giant hole that lets sun in, but in order, and they use, what is it, they use sun rays, they put up giant rays along the sides of the caverns to help increase sunlight to grow the grain. They, like, put mirrors yeah, around to, it to, to reflect, reflect the light, yeah. But but the thing is, if the if the mirrors are being used to reflect light down... They aren't going to then reflect light up. Well, I know. That's the thing. Is It also just seems like a flawed system. Because as soon as they hear a helicopter, they're like, oh no, close the mirrors. And I feel like they're making more noise doing that than they anything are. else. They, they, everything also, about it is yeah. dumb and impractical. It's only there to prove that Wanderer is not going to turn them in. Meanwhile, my mind just kept thinking, I'm like... If all those mirrors are aiming down to reflect the light into the grain, it's mm-hmm. not going to reflect up. If anything, it works as a natural deterrent because the backs of the mirrors aren't also mirrors. Like, unless there is, which is a huge design flaw. Right. Right. And then she, like, they, they bring her in to see the mirrors and she's like, oh my god, wow, so beautiful. And it's like, bitch, everything you guys do is, like, mirrored and metallic. Like all the cars that the seeker drives is metallic, even though there are regular cars. That's the problem. Like the way that they try to pepper in these sort of like sci-fi components doesn't match with the everyday world that is still around them. Yeah. Um, do we wanna do we wanna start talking about the real icky stuff about this yeah. movie? I was gonna say, can we start talking about the love triangle? Oh my god. Stephanie Myers she either has a weird fetish or always has this love for love triangles. And I, I texted you yesterday. I'm like, all right, so the premise of the movie is alien. It inserts itself at a young girl mm-hmm. and two boys force themselves on her. I'm like, this sounds like a really weird fetish porn. 
Like, yeah, I was confused sounds... what you meant by it, but as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, okay, I see what he means by it now. A weird, tentacly alien forces itself inside a young girl, and there are two men forcing themselves on her. I'm like, this is clearly some hentai shit. Okay, so the introduction is that Jared is Melanie's boyfriend, but the mm-hmm. way that they show them meeting is, like, he infiltrates a home that she is currently hiding in with her little brother, and then he forces himself on her. And, and she slaps him. he forces a him. kiss. Yeah. He forces a kiss and goes, I haven't kissed, let alone spoke to another person. It's like, this is how you greet no. people? No! <laughs> what if she was a man? The invasion doesn't seem like it's been going on for that long. I don't know. They don't make it clear. But in my opinion, in that amount of time, you should still know that that is not an appropriate way to greet somebody. No. Um, And then they start dating. And then they start dating. And then she says, we should get it on. Oh, no. I think the exact quote is, what does she say? She says, let me sleep with you. Oh, no. She says, sleep with me. I just like the idea of her being like, KK, let's fuck now. I don't remember at any point that being, like, I don't know everybody's life, but I feel like when the idea is proposed, it's never like, sleep, like, just sleep with me. It's like that. I don't know. I don't know. This It just seemed forced and weird. Um, I watched an interview with Stephanie Meyer because one of the topics that gets brought up is Stephanie Meyer. Is she subtly putting in Christian values and no sex before marriage into her films? And someone called her out on it, and apparently mm. Stephanie Meyer said, that was never my intention with Twilight. And I don't know if I believe her or not. Okay. But I, I don't okay. know if I believe her. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see what was one issue about this was that, so the roles were originally intended for somebody in their mid-20s, and Jared yes. was supposed to be, like, 30, right? Yes, they so, were supposed to be in their 30s, yeah. As two consenting adults, I could see why in an apocalyptic situation such as this one that somebody would be like, hey, let's get it on. Let's do it. When else are we going to have time to do it? Let's do it now. But they agreed to make it younger because Saoirse Ronan felt attached to it. And when Saoirse Ronan says she's interested in a project, you just say yes. Um... So yeah, they decided to skew it younger, but then it's just a weird line. I feel like the they decision just to go younger. Out. Yeah. I feel like the decision to go younger was also like let's let's just be honest. Like it's also par for the time. Yeah, it's exactly. Very YA. Yeah. Like even if her original intention it was more adult, which it would at least make a little bit more sense. The content itself is still yeah. meant for a YA audience. Like, if a older actress wanted to do the role and she was in her 50s, do you think they would have skirted up? I don't think no. so. No, absolutely not. If Meryl Streep agreed to be <laughs> Melanie in The Wanderer, I don't think that they would agree to it. They would definitely not, because you yeah. the YA audience. They're like, yeah. So, um, they're just, their relationship that we're supposed to be attached to for some reason starts with non-consensual kissing. And then, Mm -hmm. um, upon meeting Melanie slash Wanderer in the desert, instead of being like, oh no, what's happened to my girlfriend? 
oh my god, what do I do? Is she still in there? He just punches her in the face. (laughs) And she hits a rock. She hits a rock with her head. Like, when she falls. And I'm like, oh my god, what is happening in this movie? What is this movie doing? So, and then just randomly they bring in this other guy. Because love triangles. Yes. I will say, just just to get to this point quicker... Yeah. So, Wanderer the alien invades Sasha Ronan, Melanie, and the whole plot is that she's supposed to, now the alien is supposed to give up all of Melanie's information to the other aliens to find the rest of the humans, but then the alien develops empathy because Melanie didn't die and Melanie is still in her brain and can conveniently have motor function when she (gasps) wants to, but not when she for plot purposes doesn't have any motor functions yeah i don't i don't know so nonsense happens she escapes melanie tricks her to driving into the desert crashes car and that's when she stumbles upon her uncle her brother Mm -hmm. her boyfriend and a group of nobody cares convenient that in a desert the one group of people who find her happen to be someone she's related to yes i i don't know this movie yeah but 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 now you introduce other boy character yes and it seems like um wanderer is interested in other boy character and for whatever reason that i can't seem to grasp he is interested in alien and Melanie hates all of it melanie hates (laughs) wanderer kissing new boy melanie hates wanderer kissing her boy who punched her in the face so either way you know the whole time wanderers kissing everybody melanie's voice that like gum comes from like louisiana accent to not will be like no don't do that and then oh, i don't know no oh no yeah don't do that that's not that's not very nice <laughs> that started sounding like British too. It, it was just so bizarre. This is fucking uh, oh god. And then and then oh uh, okay. So now there's a love triangle between Melanie who love boyfriend. But you know you know what's funny is when the boyfriend suspects that Melanie's in Wanderer, he again kisses her with force, and then she slaps him, and that's when he realizes that that's Melanie. He goes oh. Melanie slapped me. It must be Melanie. Like, Does that mean like Wanderer wants to get it with everybody? I don't know, but I just love that his way to prove that Wanderer, that Melanie is still in there, yeah. was to not kiss her, but get slapped yeah. by her. That, that was, was such a proof. strange moment. <laughs> and then and then it seems like Melanie and Wanderer, even though Melanie always puts up a fight, seems like they enjoy kissing the other guy way more because he doesn't get slapped once. Well, that's what I don't, I don't understand either personalities between Melanie's body. You've got one who is supposed to be, like, human and seems angry, and then you've got the other one who actually has control of the body and is showing no emotion whatsoever. It's, it's hard to gauge, it's hard to find something to hold on to, and then meanwhile, all of a sudden she's like, 
I have feelings for man boy. And he's all like, I got feelings for alien. Smoochy smoochy. And you're like, what am I watching? What is happening? Yeah, there's, it's just, that's most of the movie. Because we can go over plot points, but this is the main point of the movie. Because right. this is the only significant thing that happens. Uh, I will say that the Seeker does actively try to find him because of a note that that the Wanderer wrote but tore up but conveniently left in her room for the Seeker to find. So the Seeker and the other aliens sort of know where they are, but not really. Meanwhile, some of the humans go on a run for supply. and Some people die. Some people die because, and this this is what killed me. Yeah. There's a understanding, which again, never is thoroughly explained, because everyone drives the exact speed limit, which I don't understand because, like we said about these aliens... They seem to have enough agency to be independent, and there is no hive mind. They're not connected. So in what circumstance would everyone be perfectly driving the 45-mile-an-hour speed limit? But then here's the thing that bothers me even more. If that's the established rule, if you Uh know for a fact that everyone drives the same exact speed limit, they fuck themselves over by speeding. You could literally right. put your car in auto mode, like not auto mode, like this super sci-fi technical thing. No, you could literally put your car in highway mode and just have it go 45 miles an hour. Right. Like, I don't there, I don't even know why we got to that point where it did escalate so quickly. And then those two people killed themselves. It's like, oh, was the whole point of this to prove like how horrible it would be for the humans to get caught and it's like i don't know they're all driving like 45 miles per hour they don't seem so bad or like when they go to the hospital which we haven't spoken about yet but then the lady's like oh no you poor thing you're hurt it's like wow that's that's nice. I get human doctors who don't even talk to me that kindly yeah. sometimes. Yeah, and it's like, uh, yeah, let's get to the hospital part because yeah. they go for supplies and there's a moment where the younger brother is legs infected so they need to get medicine for him. Right, so. which was dumb to begin with. Why yeah. are you handing a child a scythe? But, like, whatever. <laughs> so, boyfriend number one takes Wanderer and Melanie to the doctor and Melanie's like, I need to show up with a cut in order to convince him to give me medicine. Which she does, and it seems really unnecessary because, honestly, if the philosophy we're going with is that they, these aliens are so naive, they don't lie to each other at all, right. she could have just walked in and said, I need medicine, please, and they would have just given it to her. Right, exactly. They could have said, like, I ran here for a friend. I need medicine or like whatever. Give me medicine, please. And then also when they show Wanderer learning how to lie, then I'm like, well, now I'm upset for her that she's lying. (laughs) Why are we making this alien lie? That's not fair. And then that once again makes me feel like, oh, our influence isn't so great after all. I don't know. No. So, this movie doesn't commit to any moral themes. It's not a. It's just. Also. I think that you could have, I think that they could have combined the supply run and the medicine run into one essential moment. That could have been the big thing. And that's what I thought was happening with the supply run. It was an hour into the movie and I'm like, okay, here we go. Like, this is the moment, right? And then after they die, I'm like, okay, we have to be near the end of the movie. And then I'm like, a whole other hour? We have a whole other hour of this movie still? Yeah. A whole other hour. (sighs) Oh. So I know 
know. So, it's so, so back to back to the the love triangle because that's what triangle. this is really about. Yes, it is. That's what this movie is really about. It's literally like if you wanted to see Jacob get some in Twilight, this is it. Yeah, but also like both of them just seem like there's no character development whatsoever. Like there's no character. They're just two guys that are just standing there. They're two decently looking guys. And I'll be honest with you, I confused the second boyfriend with like half of the other guys. Because they oh, all, totally. Me too. They all, they're like, they're all in a desert, all wearing beige, like dirty white brown clothing. So they all look very similar. The only one who did, the only one that stood out was boyfriend number one. And it's because I thought he was the least attractive one. Like, I understand. I don't he's, even. No. I know he's conventionally attractive. I know people would look at him and be like, that's an attractive man. But I'm like, eh. Eh, no. It, he is, like, conventionally attractive in the sense that, like, um, if you saw him at Harvard Square, you would be nonplussed about it. Like, he looks like just like any guy who goes to Harvard and you're just like, eh, eh. eh. Yeah, that's 100% it. Yeah. But... Oh, my God. <laughs> no, there's that fight scene when... Um, the, the Dew Bros, like, show up to Wanderer's, um, I, I want to say cell, but it's not really a cell because it's all carved out of rock. Um, they're like, we're gonna kill her. And then they're like, no, you're not. And then they're fighting. I'm like, I don't know which one of these guys in a tank top I'm supposed to be rooting for. I can't tell them apart from each other. Yeah, they were all just carbon copies of each other. Yeah. And then... There's the one moment that I feel like they, I just had no attachment to that could have been interesting was when Wanderer walks into the doctor's office and there are dead people and dead soul aliens and she's oh, like, yeah. ah, you're killing them. And it's like, yeah, duh. <laughs> like, obviously that was going to happen. Yeah. And it's like. Because, like, what is it? The humans were trying to experiment to see if they could take the alien out, but it kills both the host and the alien. Yeah. And it's like, and she's so distraught. Like, oh, my God. It's like, yeah, but you're the ones putting yourselves in there. Yeah. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't get mad at the humans for trying to figure out how the fucking biomechanics of this shit work. Yeah. They've never hidden the fact that they don't want you in their bodies. They've made that abundantly clear. That's been their message the entire time. They don't want you in them. Yeah. Uh, So, and then she reveals convenient plot point. Do do you want to get to convenient plot point? Go for it. Convenient plot point is that she knows how to separate the the, the soul from the human. Yeah. Which leads (laughs) to this. Because I forgot what the conflict was. There's a stupid... First of all, um, during the first store, like a uh, supply run, the two boys, boyfriend and friend, speed away from the other two dying, and the seeker shoots a gun at them. And then the other aliens are really angry and are like, "We are peaceful. We do not do this." And I'm like, "Really? I don't remember. Like, I know they say they're peaceful." But, like, at no point do we have an understanding and establishment of this world. And then, even then, too, it's like, yeah, why is this bitch so crazy? Sorry, I don't mean to say that. But it's like, what is the driving motivation for her 
to be so hell-bent on finding this one girl. Right. Like, that is, what is this whole conflict? That is the one thing that I do really love about Divergent, is I feel like of many of the YA dystopic sci-fi books that came out around this time, was I felt like um, the villain in Divergent was very clear. She was like, kill all these people. She, like, controlled an entire group of people to kill as many of these other people as possible. That's bad. That's objectively terrible and aggressive. So it's like, okay, like, she has a motive. There's a reason she's doing this. And she's very clear that, like, this is the right path to take. So, but then you've got Diane Kruger, who just... It's not clear if they're violent. It's not clear if they eat. It's also not even clear if they, like, partake in sexual transgressions. That's not even the word I want to use, but, like, sexual activity. There's only one moment where it's mentioned, and it's early on, where the Seeker is still talking to the Wanderer before Wanderer runs away. And Seeker's like... Water? I know you're... She's She's like, you're developing feelings... There's something you must understand about humans. Humans have a very passionate lust, and you must avoid it, it at all costs. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. And that's, like, another thing. Is that why Jared kissed her at the beginning? I don't know. Like, are we supposed to believe that they are, like, all completely asexual and not interested in sexual activity? Well, Wanderer certainly seems to be interested. Yeah, she is. She's gonna get it. <laughs> but, and then I guess, like, at the end, you know, when Wanderer happens to just luckily know how to get a, ho- you know, a alien out of the host body, they do it to Diane Kruger, and then she says, like, ah, yes, the entire reason that I was looking for you is because... I was secretly, subconsciously trying to figure out how to get the alien out of me. And I could tell that you were, like, able to still feel in your body. I think that's what happened. I don't know. I started printmaking at that point. So I think that's what happened. Oh, that that is what happened. She (laughs) did say, like, I knew it. I knew it. But it's like, really? Because you were also firing a gun at them. Right, right. You killed people. Yeah. You had a he. She killed one of their own. Like I yeah. literally remember this. It was hilarious. Like it couldn't have been any funnier when they, the two kids stop in the underpass. The one guy gets out of his car, and they're like, "We gotta take him." But then the seeker shows up, sees the gun, and they're like, "We gotta leave." Seeker picks up the gun, shoots at the boys, and just shoots her other guy, the other alien. Yep. Right blank in the head, and he Bang, dies. Boom, dead. Yeah. And then the conversation is like, oh, no, lady seeker, you did a bad thing. And she's like, no, 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 I did not do a bad thing. And they're like, oh, yes, 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 you did a very bad thing. And she's like, no. And they're like, yeah. And then that's it. Yeah, because there's no establishment of any law. or There's no creed. There's there's nothing. There's no rules these people abide by. They're literally just like doing whatever i don't understand like there's really no reason for any of the for this entire species to have actually taken over the planet they seem to not have a focal mission whatsoever no 
No. At least with, like, Doctor Who, it's like, this is my role, this is my identity, I'm coming to fix these situations, but actually things become a lot more complicated and I make them worse as I try to fix them. He's also not a slithery house centipede sticking his no. way into people's necks. Nope. No, because he would believe that people have the right to free will. Yeah. Oh, my God. So now that we established that Wanderer has this technique to remove souls from humans, mm-hmm. then she's like, I want to die to give <laughs> Melanie yeah. back her body. And <laughs> the boyfriend number two and brother and uncle are like, no, no. We, just, we just got to like you. We don't want Melanie. Melanie sucks. Yeah, she's just like, well, I'm ready to die now. I'm ready to die. But then convenient plot twist. They put her under surgery, and then she wakes up, and she sees Sasha Ronan with a mirror holding it up, and there's a equally as cute girl around the same exact age with the same color hair who just happened to be a of like a body shell who was already dying. So they're like, "Well, we figure we put Wanderer in a new body, and nobody was." Nobody's soul was stolen because she was already dying. Okay, that's another thing I have a problem with. So they just had this brain-dead body that they called Pet. It's a human body. You act like our human bodies are so precious, and that's why you don't want to be controlled by an alien. But you'll keep a brain-dead body and call her Pet? Yeah, and this is hilarious. (laughs) What bothered me is I was like... Because the whole premise of this stupid plot twist is so that both boys get love at the end yes and but part of me is like would he be okay with wanderer if wanderer ended up in a like like in a different body like totally fair totally fair they just picked another brunette who is like the special girl protagonist in another book series turned into a movie like what if the only body that they could put wanderer into was big ed Right. Would oh, he man, still be? <laughs> like, imagine Wander wakes Ed up and is, is like <laughs> Big Ed somewhere is like that alien would be. It would be an honor for that alien to take over my body. <laughs> oh my god, Big like is that like what is the point here? Like, yeah, definitely, it's like like it's just so ham fisted and convenient. It's like. Yeah, but what yeah. if the only body you had left was Big Ed's? Like, would you, like, or, like I want to see that plot where the boyfriend's like, I still love you, Wanderer, but I, let's wait till we find another brain dead body for you to but join, and then we could be together. I'd really love for you to inhabit a body where you have a neck and you can move it. Preferably a vagina. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the post-apocalypse. We could, we, you know, gender norms are out the window. Yep. Yep. God, this movie. What the um, fuck? Do you know who that um special brunette girl is? No. I've you seen don't. her face before. Is yes, she you in... have. What have I seen her in? She is Emily Browning, which I had no oh. idea that she was in. Wait this. a minute. Yep. Was she in the original series of Unfortunate Events? Yes, she was. So she has been the although she's not technically like a special girl in that movie. Or in the books. But, I mean, she still has, like, a secret to unfold. Um, But, yeah. So, she was Violet in a series of unfortunate events. 
Oh. And I remember her. She's also Babyface in Sucker Punch. Oh, that movie's bad. Yeah, that movie's bad. She's beautiful. I think she's stunning, which is why she got that role, right? Like, she fits that look so perfectly. Um, yeah. And she can sing, too. She can actually sing pretty well. But uh. um, it was just really random to throw her in there. And she was the one that turned down Twilight. She was supposed to be what Bella. A shame. What a shame. I mean, like, on one hand, I'm upset because I do genuinely like her. And I'm like, I wish she were in more things. But then the other half of me is like, you know, it's better that you weren't. Right. It's better that you weren't, you know? Like, Kristen Stewart's career, both of them have only started to come around and be critically received lately. I don't know. Right. It's hard to say. Yeah, that lull. I, I like Emily Browning. She's in American Gods. And oh, she I didn't plays, know that. Yeah, she plays... Um, oh my god, I'm forgetting the main character's name right now. Something Moon. But he, um, he... He loses his wife. That's like the beginning of the book. And she actually brings a lot of autonomy and character to um, the person that she plays from the books. They, they give her a lot more to work with in the show, and I think that Emily Browning nails it. Alright. Yeah. Boy. But it was just so weird. <laughs> There's a lot to this movie that is just... It's a lot, and it's nothing. It's a lot of nothing. Yeah. More so than... I know that I said that for Breaking Dawn Part 2, but I, I mean it much more with this one. It should never have been two hours. Yeah. I Should we even ask the question of whether or not this would be successful today? No, because it wasn't successful then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let me, let me, think... let me ask Google Sorry. something. Hey, Google. Hey, Google. What's the runtime for Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Invasion of the Body Snatchers running time is one hour and 20 minutes. Wow. Oh my God, that sounds amazing. It's, it's so much more complexity and world building and character development happens in a movie that is 40 minutes shorter than this. Oh my God. Don't you just like miss movies that were that short? I do. I really do. I, I don't know what happened, but suddenly we just had to shove two hours, two and a half hours into every movie. I think it has a bit to do with, it actually has a bit to do with the theater system because I think two hours is the ideal time frame to utilize a, a theater room, like a theater space. And that's why movies typically, so. that's typically why movies aren't any longer than two hours. Like three hour movies are rarer because it's like, that means less movies get to be shown here. But it's typically like two hours is the perfect time. Unless you're Michael Bay and you make every Transformers movie three and a half hours long. Listen, man, I'm telling you, he should have taken this movie. He would have he would have done something with it. Like somehow because of the host, I ended up at the island because I know yes. that that was also like a critically failed sci fi movie by Michael Bay. I bet there's yeah. still more interesting stuff happening in that movie. Yes. Than in this one. At least there are stakes. Yeah. Yeah, I want to briefly touch upon the media press for this movie because that was fascinating because they pushed this movie hard. 
They did. They did. And it's funny as fuck to see. Like, it's so weird, especially like this is right before the Me Too movement. So to watch yes. all the media junkets and everybody's main question to Sasha Ronan was, so what's it like to be kissed by two boys? You get both boys. Oh boy, you get all the boys. Don't we? There's like one question in particular where, because they even address the the main actor and Sasharon, and they're like, "Remember that weird moment where like you force yourself on me?" And he goes, "Oh yeah." <laughs> and then the interviewer goes, "She says the interviewer says she goes, I know, but like." Don't we sometimes just want the guy to take us by force? And I'm like, oh what is god. this? Oh my god. See, this is the problem is that like people who like don't understand the connection and association between like real life and movies don't see an issue with these things happening on screen and are like, well, it's just a movie, it's just a TV show, it's just Game of Thrones. But the thing is, so many choices are made and and so many parts of like how we build our context of the world around us is based on what we see in movies so yeah if you see a guy force himself on a girl whether it's a shitty sci-fi movie or a rom-com that's beloved for decades it's sending a bad signal yeah it's not there's, good there's just so much it's it's like a doubling down on the problems of Twilight, but removing anything that made it fun. Right. And also him forcing himself on her and then them developing a relationship creates the idea that that is okay. Like, because the boundary has already been gone. It's gone. There was no boundary. Yeah. <sighs> what a weird movie. And I made this happen. I did this. I'm sorry, Tom. Don't be. It's okay. So, we uh, it does not stand up. It would not do well. It is mm-hmm. there's no there's no second revival for the host like Twilight. There's gonna be there is a second revival, and it's one because the new book is out, but also two people like us, Julian and other people are like this movie's hysterical. We should watch it. We need to watch this movie. It's funny. Nobody's gonna go to the host and be like this was a fun watch. Right. And I remember when I went to go see Hunger Games with my college roommates at the time, I had no idea about it. Immediately fell in love with it because I didn't know anything about it and was like, whoa, this is like crazy. And then I could go back and be like, well, okay, this is what's wrong with it. And I could still go back to it today and be like, okay, you know, it's a movie. It's got a plot. um, And it is saying something. It's, It's, you know, building a world. But with this, it's just, it's the bottom of the barrel for this whole trend at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, once Hunger Games comes out and it's such a big hit, and even Divergent, I would say Divergent was, like, the second best one to come from that strain. I had never read The Maze Runner, but I feel like the host was, like, it hit that point in the trend where it's like, no, you already missed it. You're too late. Oh, yeah. Not only did they miss it, but you weren't bringing anything interesting to stand no. out. Like, uh, Did you know? Uh, did, did you know? know that this book was supposed to be a trilogy? Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Like, let, let, like what, what else are we going to get out of here? Yeah. Uh, is there going to be a, cro- a crossover? Were the Voltari supposed to show up and it be Alien vs. Vampire? 
Well, when she, when Stephanie Meyer said in the interview that I watched that she was like, oh, I never read anything about vampires. I wanted to be like, it shows. We know. Yeah, <laughs> Thank well, you for addressing know. that. She claimed in several interviews that she's a huge sci-fi nerd. And then right. the interviewer starts asking her about sci-fi. And I remember one of the questions was, she goes, oh, that's really fascinating. I really appreciate that you're bringing a feminine perspective to sci-fi because it's a it's oftentimes a very male-driven genre, which it is. I'm not trying to deny that. Horror, I think, even has more feminine perspective in it than sci-fi does at this point. Well, then like, you look we at know, the two worlds merge with Alien. Yeah. we But, like, right. even then, it's like the horror aspect brings out, like, this feminine hero, The you know, the... Mm-hmm. But, like, and now I know, I know a handful of, like, specifically horror female filmmakers. I don't know I could say the same about sci-fi. I am reading an amazing book by a female sci-fi writer. I'm going nice. to look it up because it's very important. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Suzanne Collins, who made Hunger Games, is, you know, she's yes, rolling yes. in the big dough. Oh, yeah. So I don't mean... Uh, but, yeah. like, so there's this interesting point to be brought up about feminine representation in sci-fi. And her response, and I'm not trying to shit talk. I think I know where you're getting at this. I don't mean to shit talk Stephanie Meyer, but at the same time, it's very apparent when, when you say, I'm a big fan of sci-fi. And then someone brings you this question of, that's great. Let's talk about feminine underrepresentation in sci-fi. And Stephanie Meyer goes, oh, I never really thought about that. I never noticed it. It's like, wait a minute. How did you not notice it? My favorite... Um, my favorite thing was when they asked, like, who's your favorite sci-fi writer? And she says, Orson Scott Card. And she just, like, zips that out. That's the first thing that comes to the mind. And it's like, he is the worst with female characters. (laughs) Okay, so the um, book that I'm reading that I suggest everybody pick up is The City We Became by N.K. Jemisin. She's received... A bunch of huge awards. Um, She was, like, the first female to get, um, like, I think it was, where is it? Yeah, she is a three-time Hugo Award-winning author. She was, like, the first female to get that award. Um, And also, like, this is where representation matters. Like, her protagonists in The City We Became are so diverse and so interesting that I don't think somebody like Orson Scott Card, who I've read plenty of, um, would have never come up with those characters. So I definitely suggest that if we're really talking about like female representation in the sci-fi writing genre. Okay, that's pretty cool. What was it called again? The City We Became. It's about the this idea okay. that um, each city... Each city has, like, a soul, not like the aliens, but, like, a living, breathing soul, and it is being attacked by an unknown, almost, like, Orthwellian or, like, H.G. Wells kind of villain that is unseen and undetected unless you are already a part of it. And what I admire about this um, is that the villain is always all in white instead Mm, of black. Okay. It's good. I see the city we became. I like the Art Deco look to the. Me too. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I dig this. Yeah, I think I was just really annoyed when Stephanie Meyer was like, "Orson Scott Card." Yeah. 
Which I'm not even going to shit on some of, like, he did Ender's Game and stuff like that. I'm not really... I do love Ender's Game. Yeah. Yeah. But, But like, there's got to be more complexity to the conversation than just shouting a name. You know? Exactly. very... That's how it felt. Yeah. Like, it was just the first thing that she said. Um, Since we didn't get to... I'm, like, typing and talking at the same time, which isn't good. Don't worry. It's all But um, since we didn't get to um, our obsessions in last week's episode, we are going to share what they would have been back then and what they are now. Mm-hmm. So, Tom. Yes. What has been your obsession for the past few weeks? Dragon Ball Super. <laughs> yeah. I did not. I was a fan of Dragon Ball Z back in, like, middle school. Right. And Back in our tsunami days. Yes. Um, I, well, I'm not a very strong anime fan or weeb, as the fans would put it. But after years, because Dragon Ball Super was Akira Toyama returning to Dragon Ball and doing a new series from the manga, then to an anime, and then to movies. And the reliable source of somebody I knew who loved Dragon Ball said he hated it and that it was the worst thing he's ever seen and that it was worthless and pointless. Who so says that? What? He said that. And but, but the weird thing is. But he dressed up as Vegeta. Yeah, he loved Dragon Ball Z but hated okay. Dragon Ball Super. Oh, okay, and whatever. His reasoning was that Dragon Ball Super was too silly and that power levels meant nothing anymore. But then part of me said. Wait a minute, it never meant anything in the first place. Like Yeah, I don't think it ever meant anything. Like literally it was a joke that like go like the power levels were such a joke that they literally destroy the scouters. Like if ja- if power levels were ever a real thing, then why did they destroy the scouters? Yeah, no. There's always like one there's always the Dragon Ball Z fan that is like, this one's terrible. Only yeah. Dragon Ball and DBZ for me. Yeah, so it's like but I finally got convinced to watch Dragon Ball Super, and my my oh boy, is <laughs> is it is it a good one? It's a fun fucking time. It is stupid. It is silly, but I fucking love it. It is just a nice match of characters. It's lighthearted. Yeah. It's fun. Also, what I like is that this time around, Balba is not only a main character but a very prominent, strong figure. Okay. Balma actively plays a significant role in developing the plot in in a universe where Goku is... I love that they double down. He is such an idiot, and he's willing to put Earth's entire existence on the line for a fight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I love Balma. Yeah, and Balma is literally the... Like, she's the tech genius, mm-hmm. and her, like, whole way of working with not only Vegeta, but these... Because, like, the the new character that really kicks off the whole series is Beerus, Lord Beerus, who's the god of destruction. Mm-hmm. And Lord Beerus comes down to Earth. He's a giant cat. I love that they actually, like, bring in the whole, like, you know, ancient Egyptian, like, imagery with Lord Beerus and be like, mm-hmm. oh, that would explain old history, why Lord Beerus visited many years ago. But I love that concept, and I love that he's, like, this destroyer god who's interacting with these humans eating food being silly it's just it's just a fun goofy time i can't Mm -hmm. hate it i genuinely love it i'm obsessed with it (laughs) all of it is on hulu and oh cool 
Dragon Ball is like one of those. I know that like anime fans are really uptight and butt hurt, and they're always like, "Only sub, never dub." Dragon Ball I know they is all the Dragon Ball is the only dubbed anime that I say is absolutely superior. Like the American um, voice cast for that, I think is just on a. It's just you can't. I don't know. Maybe it's because I grew up with it. And like no, as, I'm very attached to certain things that we grew up with as kids too. In that regard, like as far yeah. as dubbing goes, yeah, and I think it's just like I watched when I watched JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. The Japanese voice acting was so because a lot of the contextual language and the humor comes from the Japanese language and hearing them scream and then randomly shout English words. Because that's right. really what JoJo is. It's just a melding of modeling and pop culture references. So watching that dubbed would make no sense. It wouldn't have the same punch. But Dragon Ball, I don't know. I just, I don't like the voice, the Japanese voice actors for Dragon Ball. So, and it, it, again, it could be preference because we grew up with it. But it's just, I, like, these guys are legends. Like, the like the guy who voices Goku and Vegeta, they're, they're, they show up at every convention they love it. They interact with fans. They do the whole screaming thing. It's it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the thing is like they're always like consistently loyal to the work that they've done. Exactly. Yeah. Um I have to send you a bit from Cracker Milk the YouTube sketch group. Yes, and, I do love Cracker Milk. Oh man, they're so funny. We just like went through their entire library of videos um after new year's i don't know why it was just we couldn't stop laughing but there is one specifically about a weave that is really funny that's amazing i discovered cracker milk when they did this really it was it was a long time ago too but they did which one it was um it was like a vhs shot commercial Mm -hmm. i forgot what it was called hold on i'm looking it up now it's they have they upload so frequently that it's hard to go back and find it but it's like they did a VHS commercial for a haunted house. Oh yeah, yeah, they're really funny. I think they're hilarious. Um they do one with photosynthesis that I any of actually like any of the body horror focused ones are so funny to me, which is messed up. It's just because they have no budget whatsoever. The way that they approach it is just so hilarious and random. Oh my like, god, yes. There's one where they're like, I would like to give a toast, and then the glass of wine turns into a piece of toast, and then his hand turns into a croissant, and then his feet turn into baguettes, and then he just becomes an entire like body of bread in a tuxedo. I just find it so funny. Oh, I found it. It's Cracker Milk's Haunted House Tour. Hold on, I'm gonna share this with you real quick just to and we'll leave it in. I'm leaving it in. <laughs> Are you tired of not getting spooked in your life? Do you need more spooking? We've got some spooking for you here at Connor's Haunted House. Zoom out now. What is your obsession? What is your obsession? Um, I would say my obsession from uh, last week's episode at the time was Evermore by Taylor Swift. Okay. Naturally, um, it was, of course, she was going to come out with a second album during the pandemic and I, I don't think that it works as well as folklore but there's still a lot of really wonderful gems on it I like um I like sad pensive Taylor Swift better than um you know reputation Taylor Swift that's but, fair 
so that that's been pretty good um and then my obsession for this week is bridgerton Mm. oh my god it's so good i eight episodes were not enough nice yeah that show is amazing. I love Regency stuff. I love Jane Austen. Jane Austen's one of my favorite writers. And then I think in lieu of Hamilton, um, the production team of Shonda Rhimes decided to put together this Regency-era TV show where it is an incredibly diverse cast and um, people of color get to play main character roles in these like Regency-era-themed stories and it's just really exciting to see because like that's just an exciting story for anybody to act out and it's been really good hell yeah yeah guys thank you so much for joining us it's new year new us new projects new things new focus new president (laughs) (laughs) um Um, new mini series we haven't decided what we're doing yet we have a lot coming up so with that Thank you for joining us. Be sure to please like us on Instagram at Remember the Zero Zero S podcast. Listen to Bam. us on Spotify. Bam. iTunes. Bam. Podbean. Boom. Google. Zip. Amazon. Did I say Amazon already? <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> and now YouTube, where we and have videos and our podcasts go up there automatically I think that's it right that's that's the end yeah she's just ended on you and automatically beautiful that is it guys thank you if I can't kiss her I can't kiss you what 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 the fuck no what is he doing no stop it stop now Don't do this! No! No! I knew it. Mel. You're really in there. You hit me for kissing you.